it's an honor to be here. I just uh, want to say thank you, both pastors, for allowing us to be here today. And we honor the gathering, and we love the gathering. I, uh, I just, I feel a strong connection to Moravian Falls. We were talking about that earlier, and earlier in the year, when I was talking to Tommy about coming and. And we were hosting them in Hickory, and he said, "What I've heard about this Moravian Falls. And so he said, I've never been there, but I've heard about this Moravian Falls. What is about Moravian Falls? And I just hit my spirit. I'm going to reach out to David and Shirley and just see if they would allow him to speak here. And God, you know, God works all things out. And so I want to just let you know that for years, uh, I would go to Cleveland, Tennessee back in the day, and I met Tommy Cones one at a hotel one night at a healing conference. And I just knew, me and my wife Camille knew in our spirit, you know, you, you just know some things in life. And I just knew that we would be connected somehow, some way. And... Uh, Sure enough, the Lord connected us, and Tommy has been a great spiritual father in my life. He has been a great influence in my life. And for years, when he would travel around, me and Camille and my mom, when he would just be four hours, six hours, anywhere he could be, I just wanted to be in that atmosphere in the, with the presence of the Lord. And uh, I would just wanted to be there. And there's, there's few men today that still walk in holiness and purity and, and just carry the glory of God on their life like Tommy does. And so I love Tommy. He's a great spiritual father. And I just want to share him with you guys today. So at this time, I'd like to have Tommy come on up. Thank you. Oh, don't panic. Give God a praise. Come on, give God a praise. Don't panic, eh? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what an honor to be here. I send you greetings from my wife, Linda, back home in Alabama. She's leading the intercessors this morning at church, so she's there this morning leading Linda. My son, Matthew, gave me, oh, my, I got one grandbaby, she's five, Sophia. And my daughter, Sarah Elizabeth. Sarah Elizabeth is 32. She's a pharmacist, make a potload of money, and needs a husband. If you need... <laughs> If you, I got a book table out there. If you know somebody, you can put a name on or something. I could. Maybe we can handle that in Moravian Falls up here. God's a good God, isn't He? Amen. God's a good God. We travel. We do healing services. God put us in a healing business uh, many years ago. In fact, I'll tell you exactly. It's 25 years ago this week that God called us in the healing business. And we've seen signs, wonders, and miracles ever since. And I'll tell you that story in just a few minutes as we go. But he's good to us, always been good to us. And I'll tell you about my special healing in my life when all of this started. Lord, I thank you for today. I give you all the honor and glory. I ask for the, your very presence to show up this day, Lord. I can't do this. You'll have to do it. Lead us, guide us, and direct us in the way you'd have us to go. Heal those who need to be healed, mentally, mostly, physically heal their bodies. Bless this body financially so they can finance the kingdom of God. We call it in, the prosperity, so they can finance the kingdom of God all around the world. We do it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Stop and see our book. I did Sid Roth a couple of months ago. And uh, I took my book, This Blood's For You. I did 39 chapters on the blood, one for each stripe. 39 different reasons Jesus heals. 
and it's here in this book, 39. I got a special on it. It's $10 or two for 20 if you figure that out. Uh, so pastor this for you and your wife right here. God bless you. I'll sign it for you later. God bless you. Thank you so much. But stop out there and get to ask a good book God gave us. That's our fifth book God's put in our heart to do, and he's really blessed you. If you have your Bibles today, I'm in Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8. I heard somebody say, thank you, Lord. They've already heard this. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8. You know, sometimes when I speak, I feel a little humble. God has put us in such place. And sometimes I say it like this. I feel like a a nurse in a doctor's convention. That's what I feel about this place. I feel like a nurse at a doctor's convention here. You You know, back in the day, the Methodists had the big conventions They'd go to St. Louis. That's where they met, and they'd have 25, 35,000 there. They'd have their big conventions. They'd have their big meetings and their big conventions there in St. Louis, and they'd all meet. Well, this young evangelist, 20 years old, he made his first convention. He didn't even take his Bible. He just wanted. He got there real early and sat on the front row because he wanted to be in part of it. So he had been evangelizing only about six, eight months, maybe a year. And he gets there for the convention, and they have a morning service, a lunch, an afternoon service, a night service. Well, they had a morning service. It was tremendous, and they broke for lunch. And the bishop caught him. The bishop caught him and said, Son, we, our eyes have been on you. We know you're a great preacher, and our afternoon speaker is not going to be here today. So we want you to speak this afternoon at 2 o'clock. He said, Bishop, I, I didn't even bring a Bible. I'm not prepared to speak here at this convention. I mean, I, I come, to, uh, come to visit. I come to be part of this. I, I've just come to here to get in God's presence here. He said, No, son, you could do it. What am I going to do, Bishop? He said, Trust God, son. Trust God. Okay, everybody broke. 20,000 people went to lunch except him. He didn't go to lunch. He walked in this altar. He walked in this altar. He's praying and searching for God. He's walking this altar. I gotta have a word, God. I gotta speak here at two o'clock. I gotta have something to say. I, I don't, you know, Bishop's Bible is laying right there on the front row. He just walks over and gets Bishop's Bible, opens it up to get a word from God, and in that Bible is Bishop's sermon for that night. He said, I can't do this, can I? But he did. At 2 o'clock, he preached the bishop's sermon, one of the best sermons they'd ever heard at that convention. He preached it, and they jumped, and they ran, and they slid in home, and they praised God at that convention. So Bishop grabbed him at the end of the service and said, Son, you've preached my message for him. What am I going to do tonight? He said, Trust God, Bishop. Trust God. That's what we're going to do here today. Stand with me for the reading of the word. Isaiah, King James, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. You got it back there. You can put it up for us. In the year that King Uzziah dies, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And his train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, when each had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one cried to the other, holy, 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 the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. For I said, Woe is me, I am undone, my man of unclean lips. I dwell in the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a, in his hand a live coal, which is taken with the tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with his, Behold, thou hast touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for me? Then 
I said, here I am, Lord, send me. Thank you. You may be seated. Isaiah comes to the throne, to the temple, to the house of God at a time of a crisis in his nation. The king has died. King Uzziah has died. Historians tell me as I study the Bible that King Uzziah was Isaiah's uncle. So he was used to being around the temple, around the church area. He loved the king very much, and now he's seeking the Lord like you and I would do, seeking the Lord about the kingdom and what's going to happen to our nation. That's where you and I need to be right now. What's going to happen about our nation, about this situation? He's concerned. King Uzziah was a godly king. Yes, a godly king. Led the people toward God, and, and he is praying what happens now to our nation. Who's the next king going to be? Will he be a godly king? What happens to our nation? Are you praying for our nation? I need to be praying. You need to be praying for our nation. That God in this year, 2018, will move across this nation with a great revival, east to west and north and south. We're going to see it happen. You say it's going to happen in our nation. The year 18 is Chet Yav, Chet Yav in the Hebrew, and it means new beginnings. It means a revival. It means a resurrection. That's what's going to happen in 2018. Somebody praise him in the house. That's what's going to happen in 2018. Isaiah goes to the temple to pray, like you might come in here to pray. And when he gets there, angels all over the house. I've been there, done that. Angels all around the throne. Isaiah describes these beings to us. And maybe we can't understand them. We have to use our imagination to see these angels. We read and study in scriptures in the book of Mark. I love the book of Mark because it's all about the miracles that the prophets did. And the power of God would show up. And we got to get this and recognize it's hard to see or imagine these angels with these wings flying around. You and I didn't see these angelic hosts that Isaiah did. It's hard to imagine them. Prophet Ezekiel tells us about these same angels. John tells us about these same angels located around the throne at all times, holy, holy, holy to the Lord. These angels are spoken of many times in the Bible, described for us. They're awkward at times to see six wings with two flying and two covering their, two covering their feet. The room was filled with smoke. Sometimes we just got to imagine these things that we read in the Bible. We, we got to read about it in the Bible and study about it, but we got to imagine it. I didn't see the Red Sea open. Now, I see Charleston Heston hold that rod up and it opened in a movie. I, I saw that one time but as he played the part of Moses. But I didn't see the Red Sea open, but the Red Sea opened and it wasn't a little path. It was three miles wide. Did you know there were 600,000 mighty men went across? Six, anytime you see numbers in the Bible, it's men only. It, it, I saw... 600,000 mighty men walked across in 24 hours. It had to be wide, not a little path. That means they had 600,000 mighty wives went with them. And 8.2 kids apiece. Three million people walked across the Red Sea on dry ground in 24 hours. I didn't see it, but I can imagine it. I can imagine it. I didn't see the water from the rock. I didn't see the water from the rock when they were walking in the desert. God has a sense of humor because he told them to wash their hands eight times a day, wash their feet before they went in the tent, wash all the utensils, make sure the animals had a lot to drink. They had all of this, but I didn't see it, but I can only imagine it. They tell me the rock was as big as the Empire State Building, and when they moved, the rock moved with them. I didn't see that, but I can imagine it. 
I can imagine it. I, I, I didn't see manna come down for heaven. The word manna means what is it? Well, you know what they tell me as I study it? It means whatever they wanted to eat that day, that's what it was. The wafer, the manna, tasted like what they wanted that day. So if they wanted fruit, it tasted like fruit. It was manna from heaven. I didn't see it, Jesus feed the 5,000, plus the women and children. I didn't see the 4,000. I didn't see Lazarus come out of that tomb. But I can imagine, I can see it. We have to use it. Isaiah says, the room was filled with smoke. That word is not smoke, that is Shekinah glory. I, 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 I call it in here today, I want to see this room filled with the glory of God and the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the blue mist of God flow into this place. God's called it the glory mist. Maybe you've been in a service where that's happened. I've been in a service where the glory mist would show up and everybody had touched it. Everybody got in it. Everybody got around it, got saved, healed, delivered, and set free. My daddy, coal miner, Walker County, Alabama, 40 years underground. My grandfather, 44 years underground. Now, in my little church when I grew up, we would raise the windows in that church during the summertime, and everybody in the community could hear the church going on, the singing and the preaching. The men would bring their wives and children to church and sit out in their pickup trucks and not come in, the coal miners. Anybody with me? Daddy was one of them. Grandpa was one of them. They would sit out there and chew the tobacco and not come into church. But on the cold winter nights, when the degrees were down in the teens, they wouldn't sit in them pickups. They'd come into church and sit on the back rows in our church. And you could hear this in my church when I was a kid. He's spitting in a cup <laughs> in the back of the church. But one day, one day when the Holy Ghost showed up, one day when the Shekinah glory hit that place, Pastor, the Shekinah glory and the blue mist came in. I'm talking about it hit that altar area. They threw them cups down and they ran to the altar and gave their life to Jesus Christ. Somebody praise Him. I'm telling you, I want to see that. I want to be in a service where the blue mist comes in and the Shekinah glory shows up. We feel God's presence. We say it, we say it, we say it. We can't get any better than this, but I'm telling you, it's going to get better than that. It's going to get better, and it's going to get better, and it's going to get better. This is the kind of service I'm praying for God this day to get better and better. We come in here with love and unity, and it prevails in our churches, and God would demonstrate Himself by the blowing of the women's hair. I want to see it happen again, ladies, where your hair just can't stay still. It's just got to blow all over your head because of the wind of God. Now listen. We, listen. Some of you folks too young to know what even bobby pins are. <laughs> now listen, my grandma's hair was up to here. And she had bobby pins all in it. Now my grandma would take fingernail polish and color her bobby pins blue on the end. My mother would take fingernail polish, and cover her bobby pins yellow on the end. 
my aunt would color hers purple. And we would have 14 different colors of bobby pins. You know why? After service. After the hair fell down. After they jerked and ran. After they ran across the church and praising God and worshiping. After church, they pick up their own bobby pins. Because they were colored like they knew they were colored. I want to see the day when the bobby pins shake all over this house. I want to see the day when, when we all worshiping God. And the hair falls out. I've been in that kind. I was raised in that kind. I'm convinced eyes have not seen God is going to do great and wonderful things for us. Somebody give me praise in the house. The wind is going to blow. The wind is going to blow. I prophesy to you. I tell you, this year of 18, the wind is going to blow. The wind of God is coming back in our churches. And it's going to blow with a physical wind that you can feel it. It's going to feel it. The wind... Is going to roll. I'm on my way to Peru. I've been down the jungle 12 straight years in a city called Iquitos, deep in the jungle of Peru on the Amazon River. I'm making a trip, and I've got to drive to Atlanta to catch the flight to Lima, Peru. Now, I've got to be on the airplane at 6 a.m. That means I've got to be there at 3 or 4 but they're an hour ahead of us, so I'm central time. So I've got to be there at 3 a.m. So I'm laying down about 10.30 to get a little nap. So when I lay down about 10.30, I'm in that, do in that phase of sleep, not asleep. I'm just trying to get a little rest before i got to get up and drive to Atlanta. i got to leave at midnight to get there at 3 a.m. A presence comes and stands by me at my bed. And I think it's my wife. So I'm laying there in that sleep, not sleep. And I'm wondering in my mind, if you're going to get in the bed, woman, get in the bed. Because I'm in between here. I'm asleep, not asleep. And then the fragrance, roses. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you know exactly where I'm going with this. The fragrance filled the room with perfume so strong that it burnt my nose. And I say to myself, you didn't have to put all that on. <laughs> and I raise up in that bed to see what's wrong with this woman. And it ain't a woman at all. There is an angel standing over my bed. I mean a giant, 12-foot-tall warrior angel with a sword and a sash and a shield. He's standing on my bed. On that trip, they brought me a woman been dead six and a half hours, died in the hospital in Iquitos, Peru. Her husband and son did not take her home to bury her. They brought them to my crusade with 15,000 people in the audience. I laid hands on her and prayed for her, and God raised the dead in Peru. When you get in that kind of presence, when you get in that kind of presence, God shows up. God, I want that kind of presence. I'm after it. Don't be amazed what you see God do in here this morning. Because God is in the healing business. In the day we're living in, God's looking, like, looking for people who will worship Him and say, Here I am, God, use me. 
Isaiah responded like you and I would. He said, woe is me. Woe is me. I don't need to be. He just come in here to pray a little bit. And angels show up and God shows up in the middle of that. You know, we live in a sinful world out here. We go downtown and we get, we got to, we got to, that's the reason I come to the midweek service. That's the reason I come to Sunday morning and Sunday night services. I got to get all that off me all week. I got to get in God's presence and be in church. That's what I don't want to miss. This man was a godly man. He understands the kingdom. He understands the things of God. Come into his presence. Listen, you can come in my presence, may not feel nothing. When you get in the presence of God, you're going to feel something. You're going to feel something. You're going to feel the very presence of God. When you come into His presence, walking in this house, and God shows up, you just want a little prayer. Smoke all over the place. Your kind of glory, the blue mist, all over the house. And then the train. It says, the train, fill the temple. God has so much glory. Now watch me now. God has so much glory on Him. That when he walks, the train behind him or the glory behind him is so strong that it looks like a wedding where the bride is going down the aisle with a train. That's how much glory God has. It just walk, it's behind him. It's behind him. Moses said, God, show me your glory. He said, I can't do it, son. It'll kill you. He said, God, I want to see your glory. He said, I can't do it, son. It'll kill you. God, I want to see your glory. That's what you and I, they'd be praying every night. God, I want to see your glory. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. Okay, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. Okay, Moses, read it, Genesis. Read it. Here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to let you hide your face in a rock. Okay, Moses? I'm going to let you do this. You can hide your face in a rock, Moses. I'm going to walk behind you. And I'm going to let you, I'm going to use Alabama term. I'm going to let you peek out, okay? <laughs> Moses, I'm going to let you peek out like this and see me. The Bible says God walked behind Moses. Moses looked out, and the Bible says Moses saw the backside of God. That's what it reads. Moses saw the backside of God. In other words, he saw the glory. He saw the backside of God. That word's not backside. We read it as backside. We, we read it like, oh, he saw God's back. He saw the glory. That word is not backside at all. You've got to study the Bible. You've got to study the Bible. You've got to get the Hebrew a little bit. You know what that word is? History. History. That word is not backside in the original. That word is history of God. Moses saw the history of God. That's the reason he could write the first five books of our Bible. Because when he saw it, when God walked behind him, he saw Genesis 1. He saw God created the heaven and the earth. He saw it and he wrote it after he saw it. God saw, the Moses saw the backside of God. What a sacred time it was for Moses. And what a sacred time it will be for you and me when we get in his presence. How many want that kind of presence? Come on, how many want that kind of presence? I'd right, put your hands down. And if I were you, I wouldn't raise your hand on this on these questions. <laughs> How many want to see that kind of glory? Okay. All right. Okay, here's my question. How many have got HBO in your home? I told you not to raise your hand. How many? HBO. Hale's box office. <laughs> It ain't home box office, it's hell's box office. 
Oh, I like to see the boxing. That's the reason I got it. Get liar, liar, pass on fire. It ain't no matter about boxing or sports. And you can figure out what I mean by the rest of it. Filthy. Filthy. But I want that presence. God, I want that presence in my house. God, I want that presence in my living room. I want it in my bedroom. My husband's not saved, and I want to God presence around there. But HBO is blaring in your house every night. And we wonder why God's presence don't show up. It costs extra to get that. You can't get that on basic cable. It costs extra. Never mind. Go on. Toddy for your body. You know, just a little toddy. Just, you know, helps me sleep. Helps me sleep better. You can't do that and get in God's presence. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. I don't know what they call it in the mountains, but back at home, what's those little marijuana cigarettes about that long? You, what are they called up here? Somebody say it. See, I knew you'd know it. I, I, see, uh, I, 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 I tricked you. You can't, you, you'll think you're in God's presence. But, but it's not. It won't happen. And here's the big one. Here's the big one. Never pay no tithe ever and want God's presence. It don't happen that way. It don't happen that way. I'm interfering. I'm getting, I'm getting out of line here. No, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you exactly the truth. We're going to raise our hand. We're going to sing glory. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to sing glory. But never, ever, ever become an offering or a giver or doing or funding a missionary or doing anything like God, it's not. The presence won't show up. And you wonder why your kids are going crazy and my kids are going crazy and our grandkids are going crazy and my husband's going crazy and my wife's going crazy. The presence of God's got to get in. You come in here to pray a little bit and God's going to show up. I don't feel worthy to be here. Woe is me. I'm unclean. There's a point where it's done in heaven, but it's done on the earth. The glory of God in His presence makes us feel unworthy. We can come into God's presence, but we're going to feel uncomfortable around His presence. We feel separated around His presence. My mother, my daddy, my Boy Scout leader told I was something special. But then when I got in God's presence, I realized I was not. I was looking for a halo on my head, but I don't have one. But God's presence showed up and I realized, God, I gotta, I, I need you in my life where I, I gotta linger in His presence. I gotta linger in His presence and it exposes the sin and exposes our lives to what it no need to be and we can't run and hide. You think about it yesterday morning in Hawaii. You can't run and hide in Hawaii. Where are you going to run and hide the nuclear? They're coming in with the bombs. Where are you going to run and hide in Hawaii? You know, if they tell you you got two hours before it gets here, you might can drive out of these mountains and get somewhere in two hours, but not Hawaii. You think they're not seeking God's presence yesterday morning? I'm seeking God's presence. I think the biggest revival in Hawaii is fixing to hit. It probably started today. I bet you this morning in Hawaii, every church in Hawaii is full. Filled, like on 9-11. Filled. Filled, filled, filled. In verse 5, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. That's what he said. The angel put a hot coal on his lips to cleanse him. If Isaiah had a pure heart, an impure heart, the angel would have put a coal on his heart. 
angel would have put a coal on his knee if he couldn't walk or his feet if he had problems there. But he told us what was wrong with him. I am a man of unclean lips. I live in a body of people with unclean lips. If you need salvation, God will come to your point of need. If you need healing, God will come to your point of need. If you need financial blessing, God will come to your point of need. We get in His presence and linger there, linger in His presence. Worship is a creation, was a creation of God to restore us, not restore God. God don't need restoring. It restores me when I get in God's presence. It restores me when I get in God's worship and worship Him. But if I walk into that presence, there's a time that a mamby-pamby prayer won't work. If your prayer life is this, God bless me, bless my kids, send me some money, amen. If that's your prayer life, we got a problem. We got a problem. We have to have a prayer life to, to do and go to God on a, if, if you don't pray one lick, pastor come up a few minutes ago and he prayed to start our service today and you and I bowed our head. That's what we did. We didn't pray. He prayed. I didn't say a word. I, I proud my head and like all of us did. If that's my prayer life all week, I got two words for me. Get saved. If that's my prayer life all week when he prayed three minutes and I didn't pray another lick all this week, I come back next Sunday, you do the same thing. I don't have a prayer life. And you wonder why things don't happen in our life. We got to have a depth of worship, a depth in our spirit so we can grow in God and linger and stay in his presence. The old house was filled with the glory of God. The train filled the temple. Worship is intended to restore us and put us back to where God. We come to church, we're broken, hurt, pain, ripped apart, needing a healing, and love God and worship him, and we get restored. We get restored. Week after week after week, we get restored. That's what I want to see happening. Restoration is going to start happening in the name of Jesus. How many of you... Maybe some of us older generation guys and gals ever played with an old horseshoe magnet. Well, good. Sometimes I ask that question. Nobody knows what a horseshoe magnet is. <clears throat> you could take an old mag horseshoe magnet and magnetize it and get it magnetized. You can put old, you could put metal shavings on a paper plate or on a table. Just lay metal shavings down here. And you could take that horseshoe magnet and hold it up like this. <laughs> and you could get closer and closer and closer to those metal shavings. You know what they'll do? I like it. <laughs> those metal shavings will absolutely start shaking. They'll start shaking. And then the closer you get, they'll start jumping. Now, I've seen some of you already jump and shake. I know. I, shaking and jumping. Shaking and jumping. But when you get that magnet right on top of them, they'll jump on the magnet. They'll just jump on the magnet. You could take an old nail from right out here in this woods that's been there since the Civil War, right out here. You could take an old rusty nail that's been out here in these dirt for 150 years and lay it on that magnet all night long. And guess what happens? The nail now is magnetized. You don't need the horseshoe magnet anymore. You can use the nail. 
And when the nail gets close to the metal shavings, they'll start shaking again. They'll just get all over that nail. But I'm telling you that Jesus is the magnet. <laughs> I'm telling you that Jesus is the magnet. And you and I need to lay on Jesus all night long. You, you and I need to miss work on Monday and lay on Jesus all night long. Kids, I'm giving you permission to stay out of school Monday and lay on Jesus all night long. I'm telling you, when, when you get laid on Jesus all night long, you become magnetized and you walk in Walmart and they'll walk up to you and say, I don't know what it is you got, woman, but I want some of it. I want some of it. That, that needs to exhume from us. God, I want to open the door to Walmart and have 400 fall on the floor. Just fall out under the Holy Ghost. Just fall out. Everybody gets saved. Delivered. I'm telling you, it's going to start happening. I'm telling you, it's going to start happening. Ever, anybody ever seen George Bloomer, a black bishop, preach on the Word Network? He, he's on the Word Network all the time. He told me this story. He went into a grocery store to buy him a drink and some chocolate-covered donuts. <laughs> he said, I don't need to be eating them, but I wanted some. And this, this woman came up to him and said, Bishop Bloomer, Bishop Bloomer, I knew you'd be here in aisle number eight. God told me you'd going to be here in aisle number eight. And he told me to come in here today and you'd be here at 10, 15 in the morning. And God told me you're going to buy my groceries. <laughs> He said, well, lady, all I did was come in and get a Coke and some chocolate donuts. I, I ain't heard from God about nothing. She said, I wrote it down, Bishop Boomer, 1015 on this day in this store, aisle number eight, and you're here. This is God. He said, just a minute, lady. So he steps back and called his friend. He said, hey, I got a woman here says, you know, she says I'm supposed to buy her groceries and, uh, in aisle number eight. And uh, he told her the story. And the man said to his friend, he said, Bishop Bloomer, if it's of God, buy the woman some groceries. If it ain't of God, you got the money. <laughs> you got the money. Buy the groceries anyway. What are you, what, if it is of God, you'll get blessed. But if it ain't of God, you got the money. Buy her groceries. He went back and said, I've heard from God. I'm going to buy your groceries. He said, she got two, she, she got two grocery carts. Say she buying T-bone. Said, I ain't ain't no T-bone in a year. She buying T-bone. Said, she done bought $350 worth of groceries. Said, I started eating them chocolate-covered donuts. Drinking my drink. She finally checks out. Cost me $350. I scanned my credit card. And she said, come with me. He called to her. She walked to her car, put her grocery car. She reached up on the dashboard and got an old yellow notepad. Dirty, filthy old notepad. And it, it was written two weeks before. The date, two weeks before. Go to this grocery store on this day at 1015 and aisle number 8 and Bishop Bloomer will be there and buy your groceries. I tell you, God will give you messages. God will give us messages. And when that message occurs, you don't know when you're going to be acting like Jesus. He was acting like Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus would have fed the woman. And I'm telling you, he fed people. And I want to be like Jesus. I want to lay on him like a magnet so I can get magnetized in my body and lay. Somebody give God a praise in the house this day. Come on. I want to be like Jesus. Walk like Jesus. Talk like Jesus and be like Jesus. And we can do that. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you want to be saved today and give your life to Jesus, 
If that's you, just slip your hand up, put it right back down. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? That's three. Anybody else? Now, if you're here this morning and you're away from God, saved but away from God, it's been a long time since you've been close to God, and you want to be restored back into the kingdom because you once were there, but now you want that restoration back. If that's you, you slip your hand up and say, you're talking to me too. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. All of you look at me, everyone, and put your hand on your heart. You eight people, put your hand on your heart right now. And everybody pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I declare, you're Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Forgive me all my sins. I accept you as my Savior. Use me for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. I'm going to heaven. Now give God a praise like you mean it one time for these eight. For these eight. Come on, somebody give him praise in the house. Woo! Yes! Thank you, Jesus. Now you folks that, that raise your hand, get with Pastor David and talk with him and his wife over here and, and tell them what's happened to you today and get restored and get back in and get you a Bible and study it and, and get a prayer life. And I'm not talking about bow your head to church. I'm talking about get a prayer life. That's what it is. I'm going to start praying for the sick. That's what I do is miracles. Today is the day of this week is the anniversary of the first miracle God gave me. I went to Israel with Perry Stone, Jensen Franklin, and Randy Paula White back in 1992. We go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Perry, te Perry Stone teaches about 10 minutes. And then he says, now go pray by yourself. So I went over and sat down on an olive tree and began to pray. And as I began to pray, God spoke to me in an audible voice, loud. Now listen, I've been doing everything in my church that I thought a man should be doing in my church. I served as a Sunday school teacher. I served on the pastor's council. I served on the elder board. I did. I paid in my tithe. I'm doing everything. My wife started a Christian school at our place. Now it's running 600 students at our school today. She was the creator of that school, the first principal of that school. She put it together. We did everything we thought we were supposed to be doing for God. And God spoke to me that day in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, you're not doing what I want you to do. I said, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I started that Hezekiah story. I said, wait a minute. Let me tell you what I've been doing. Talking back to God. I ain't got no business talking back to God. He said, you're not doing what I want you to do, son. I got two degrees. So I asked him, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I tell you tonight. Wouldn't even tell me then. Four hours later, we make it to the upper room. Some of you have been there. It's not as big as this room right here. It's about half this size, maybe. And we had about 400 people just crowded in there. Jensen's group, Perry's group, Brad and Paul. We had all those people in there. And Jensen Franklin's preaching. In the middle of the sermon, he stops and calls me out. Come up here. I walked to the front. And he said, give me your hands. He said, God stopped me from preaching to tell you something. I said, I've been waiting four hours. To get this message. He said, when you lay hands on the sick, the sick will be healed. Bam, bam, bam. I'm gone in the upper room. God, throw me on the bus. I'm out. That was November 92. 
In January of 93, which has been 25 years ago this week, I'm on the interstate system in Birmingham, Alabama, been to a meeting going back to my office, and God spoke to me again. He said, what are you going to do about Hilton? Gave me the man's name. I hadn't seen him in six or eight years. What am I going to do about him? I don't know what you mean. What do you mean, God? What am I going to do about him? Wouldn't answer me. Now, I had a bag phone in that day. You ever know bag phone? You plug your cigarette lighter? I had a bag phone. I reached down, picked that phone up, and called my mama. She said, Tommy Hilton has pancreatic cancer. He's at UAB Hospital in Birmingham, dying, 10 days to live, 8 days to live, a week. I turned around to intersection, went downtown UAB Hospital, went up on the 8th floor of the cancer ward, walked in his room. He's swollen. They're feeding him through tubes. And I said, Hilton? He said, Tom Cole. I said, what's the matter? I dying. I said, what do the doctors do for you, Hilton? Nothing. Watching me die. I said, I don't think so. God sent me by here to pray for you if you'll let me pray for you. Okay. I took my coat off and laid on his bed. Laid across him long, long ways like this. He's laying this way. I laid across him, put my hand around his stomach, and I cursed it. Listen, you can curse cancer. You can talk to cancer. You can speak to cancer. You can take authority over it in Jesus' name. I took authority over cancer in Jesus' name, and I took authority over death, and you can too. I took authority over death. I said, death, you can't have this man. You can't have him. He's healed in Jesus' name. I know him with oil, got up and left, and he called me the next morning. Tommy, it's Hilton. I said, Hilton, what's the deal, man? He said, I'm going home. Now, to a saint of God, going home means I'm going to heaven. Huh? You know, you've heard it yourself all your life. Oh, I'm going home. He ain't talking about home in heaven. He's talking about door, Alabama. I said, what? He said, I'm going home this afternoon. I said, what is it? He said, Tommy, I have not one trace of cancer in my body. God has healed me of cancer. Give God some glory. God has healed me of cancer of the pancreas. I said, okay, God, I got the message. I got the message. I can do this. I can do this with your help. I'll do this. And I've been doing it 25 years. Three people raised from the dead. 57 stage four dying cancer healed. 57 right now. 57. Maybe somebody else here today to make it 58. I'm telling you, God's in the healing business. So we're going to do that. We're going to pray. Some guys are going to help me. We're going to anoint you with oil. The, the praise team is going to come, and we're just going to worship God. If you don't come in the line, if you don't want me to pray for you, just worship God with us. Just stay here and worship God with us as, as we pray and worship. If you want to help me pray, that's fine too, because we'll do it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We have prayer cloths. We'll anoint for you, for you to take with someone else. If you've got someone in the hospital, someone at home, I send prayer cloths all across the nation. My program is playing, just went off the air right now on TCT Network and, and GEB Network out of Oral Roberts University, reaching over 100 million homes this morning with the Living Word Ministry broadcast that God has opened that door for us, and we're doing it right now. God's in the healing business.